Good morning, church family. Pray that you are all well, as today we will be taking a break from our regularly scheduled programming, if you will, in the Gospel of Mark, since today is National Sanctity of Human Life Day, which is described as a day where churches throughout the United States celebrate God's gift of life, commemorate the lives lost to abortion, and commit to proclaiming human life at every stage. And thus, because of that, the elder board here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church thought that it would be a prudent and God-pleasing and wise decision to take part in National Sanctity of Human Life Day and to preach on the sanctity of human life here this morning as well. And we'll be doing so by looking at the 139th chapter in the book of Psalms, and we'll be focusing our attention this morning particularly on verses 13 through 16. However, before we do so, I'd like to give you all at this time just a little bit of background on this beautiful and profound and quite frankly, powerfully written psalm. So the 139th psalm is a psalm written, as we can see in the title of this psalm, by King David himself. And although you will see King David express words of praise in this psalm, and expressions of thanksgiving in this psalm, and remarks of deep and intimate reflection in this psalm. As the 19th century Anglican John Perone once wrote, Nowhere are the great attributes of God, His omniscience, His omnipresence, and His omnipotence set forth so strongly as they are in this magnificent psalm. And we see the omniscience of God or the fact that our God knows everything, set forth here, church, or certain aspects of it expressed here, church, in verses 1 through 6. As King David writes in verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. Verse 2, you know when I sit down and when I rise. Verse 3, you are acquainted with all of my ways. And verse 4, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. And thus, big picture here, church, for our God knows all that can be known about us, understands all that can be understood about us, comprehends all that can be comprehended about us, and never, ever, ever learns anything new about us, since our God is omniscient and already knows, church, everything that can be known about us. To which we then begin to see, church, the omnipresence of God, or the fact that our God is present everywhere at all times set forth, or certain aspects of it expressed in verses 7 through 12. Where again, King David writes in verse 8, If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If, verse 9, I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, verse 10, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, verse 12, even the darkness is not dark to you, for darkness is as light with you. Again, big picture here, church, for our God is far and wide, high and low, in all quarters, in all places, here and there and everywhere, for our God is omnipresent, church. And thus, because of that, there is absolutely no place in this entire world where we can go and not be seen or in the presence of our omnipresent God. To which the omnipotence of God then, church, 
or the fact that our God is all-powerful church, for that is then set forth, as we will see in our text here today. Which takes us now to our thesis statement this morning, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. Christian, behold your God, who creatively weaves together each and every human life in their mother's womb, and who also sovereignly ordains each and every one of their days as well. Again, our thesis statement this morning, church, is this. Christian, behold your God, who creatively weaves together each and every human life in their mother's womb, and who also sovereignly ordains each and every one of their days as well. And thus at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up this morning to the 139th Psalm, and specifically to that of verses 13 through 16. And if you are joining us today and do not have or do not own a Bible, then please feel free to grab and even to keep one of our church Bibles as our gift to you on this day. As we truly do want each and every one of you here this morning to have your very own copy of the Word of God. And the only thing we ask in return, if you do indeed take and keep one of our church Bibles, is that you read it, starting today by turning that brand new Bible of yours to page 522, and by joining us as we as a church family hear the Word of God together this morning. For again, we will be in the 139th Psalm this morning, church. And we'll be looking specifically at verses 13 through 16. Where King David, the author of the 139th Psalm, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes, For you formed my inward parts, You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you that you have created us and woven us and knitted us together in our mother's womb. You have made us, Father, in your image as well. And it is because we are made in the image of a holy God that we as human beings have intrinsic and innate and inherit value. Father, we also thank you this morning for the gift of eternal life. And Father, as those who have been saved by the blood of the Lamb, we have been called to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. And you have told us, oh man, what is good and what the Lord desires of us, and that is to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. 
Father, let us not be selfish. Let us not be individuals who know the right things but refuse to do them. To ignore the least of these, the individuals who have no voice in their mother's womb when they are being taken away to be slaughtered. Father, these are, as we go through the sanctity of life today, the abortions, the killings, the murders of these innocent children, these are moral issues. Because all of these individuals have been created by a holy God in the image of God and have intrinsic value. Thus, as your children who have been saved, Father, let us be willing to not just know that they have been made in the image of God, but to be willing to act justly toward them, to stand up for them, and to fight for them as we honor and love you, Father. Soften our hearts this morning, I pray. Open our eyes. Open our ears to see all the wonderful workings that you do in making a human being. And as we leave here today, let let us be in awe and be in wonder of what you did to create us. And let us serve you well, Father, by defending the lives of the least of these. Father, to you be the glory forever and ever this morning. Amen. Our first of two points this morning, church, is this. Point number one. Christian, behold your God who creatively weaves together each and every human life in their mother's womb. Point number one, Christian, behold your God who creatively weaves together each and every human life in their mother's womb. Verses 13 and 14, which read, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So King David, he begins here, church, in verse 13 with, For you formed my inward parts. And that it was ultimately God here, church, who made his inner parts, who created his inner being, who put him all together, and who formed every single part of him, body and spirit, physical and spiritual, and who, verse 13, knitted him together in his mother's womb. Whereas just as someone would knit together a blanket or hat, sweater or scarf in a way that was meticulous and accurate and exact and proper, whereby making sure that its color was perfect, its stitching was flawless, its shape was suitable, and its length was ideal and not sloppy or awkward or clumsy or wrong. Similarly, so too did our God, church, with all his creativeness and ingenuity, precision and care, knit and weave and create and form us together, church, as human beings, verse 13, in our mother's womb as well. And if you don't believe me on this, I mean, just consider for a second what is actually taking place when our God is intricately creating and forming, developing and maturing a human life inside their mother's womb. I mean, at conception, for example, as Dr. Francis Beckwith explains, or when a male sperm and a female ovum unite and life begins, for even at that stage, church, our genetic makeup, 
which determines for us our gender, eye color, bone structure, hair color, skin color, susceptibility to certain diseases, etc., has already been established for us. Whereas in month two, our eyes, ears, nose, toes, fingers all form, our skeleton develops, our heart beats, and our blood with its own type flows. Whereas in month three, our salivary glands, taste buds, stomach digestive glands all develop. In month four, we can hear our mother's voice. In month five, our hair, skin, and nails all develop. And then in months six through nine, we continue to grow and to grow and to grow to the point that we can even respond to sounds, to our mother's voice, to pain, and even to the taste of substances in the amniotic fluid that surrounds us. And who, church, is ultimately responsible for all this design and creation and development and growth, for it is the Lord God himself, verse 13, who formed our inward parts and knitted us together in our mother's womb. To which David then in verse 14, for he praises God and says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, not awkwardly or crudely made, church, not shoddily or foolishly made, not lazily or haphazardly made, but instead amazingly and miraculously, awesomely and remarkably and fearfully and wonderfully made. And again, if you somehow believe this morning that not all human beings are fearfully and wonderfully made, well then just consider for a second at this time that of your brain. Or should I say that of your fearfully and wonderfully made brain? For as Professor Jeffrey Authors once shared, your brain is about the size of a head of cauliflower, and it looks and feels like a three and a half pound lump of firm tofu. And although it only makes up about 2% of your body's mass, it uses about 25% of your body's energy. And scientists estimate that your brain receives about 100 million bits of information per second and contains about 100 billion cells, many of which are neurons, which have thin, complicated shapes, kind of like the branch of a tree. They can be as short as a millimeter or as long as a meter. And at one end is an axon. And at the other are dendrites, which kind of look like the twigs of a branch. And neurons communicate with each other by sending chemical and electrical signals down their branch at about 200 miles an hour. And when the charge reaches the end of the cell, it leaps the synapse, which is the space between the dendrite and the next twiggy branch. Now each cell is surrounded by 10 to 100,000 dendrites, which creates the possibility of one million billion synaptic connections. That's ten followed by a million zeros. Compare that to the number of particles in the known universe, which is ten followed by eighty zeros. And you can see that your brain is complex, if not unfathomable, and thus we can truly say that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. To which David then in verse 14 writes... Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And as Daniel Aiken comments here, for David has absolutely no doubts about either the greatness of the creator of the universe 
or about the value of the tiny creation in the mother's womb, since there is human life in that womb, put there and knit together there by God himself. And to be honest, church, neither should we, and that we too should have absolutely no doubts whatsoever that when a child is conceived, no matter who their parents are, where their parents come from, how much money their parents have, what skin color their parents possess, or even if their parents want to have the child or not, that that child is a human life church inside their mother's womb, who not only has been designed and created and knit together and formed by the God of the universe himself, but who also then, Genesis 1.27, has been made in the image of that holy God as well, and thus has intrinsic value. Therefore, because of that, do not ever then, church, begin to believe the lie that because of the economic status of the parents of an unborn child, or because the mother thinks it's her body and that she can do whatever she wants to her unborn child, or because of the utter cowardice of the father of the unborn child, or because of birth defects, heart defects, neural tube defects, or any other kinds of medical defects affecting an unborn child, that that unborn child then wasn't given the gift of human life by God, wasn't knit together in their mother's womb by God, doesn't have value as an image bearer of a holy God, and thus somehow then doesn't deserve to be born. But instead, know full well, Christian, and without a shadow of a doubt, Christian, that what your omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent God has designed and created and given human life to was fearfully and wonderfully made in his own image and thus because of that church has intrinsic value which brings us to point number two christian behold your god who has sovereignly ordained each and every one of your days christian behold your god who has sovereignly ordained each and every one of your days Verses 15 and 16. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So again, David notes here, church, in verse 15, that my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. And that even when King David was born, and well, even before David was born, excuse me, and was still being intricately woven together, verse 15, in the depths of the earth, which is just a poetic way of saying church, in his mother's womb, David's frame, no matter how big or how small it might have been, no matter if it was the size of a lime or a lemon church, a kumquat or a grape church, a raspberry or a strawberry church, a sesame seed or even that of a poppy seed church, that at no point whatsoever was he ever hidden from God church, since God always saw, knew, and perceived exactly how he was being made, even when he was still in the womb of his mother church. And not only that, but as we go on to see in verse 16, 
for your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And that even when David was still, verse 16, an unformed substance or an embryonic substance still located inside his mother's womb, that God had already, at that time, church, written in his book all the days of David's life, the course of David's life, the details of David's life, the contents of David's life, and even the last day of David's life that he, God, had sovereignly ordained and formed and planned for David. And he did all of that, church, verse 16, when as yet there was none of them. Or as John MacArthur puts it, before David was even conceived. And thus again, church, do not fall into the trap or be brainwashed by the world or begin to believe the lies that are out there today that say those little human embryos, church, or those little human fetuses, church, or those little human unborn children, church, who are still located in the womb of their mother, that they do not have value or worth or merit or dignity, church, since the fact of the matter is, no matter how small or how large they might be, the Lord our God has not only fearfully and wonderfully made each and every one of them in his own image and not only perfectly and completely knows each one of them, but even more than that has also formed, planned out, ordained, and is sovereign over each and every one of their days as well. And thus, as we begin to close this morning, church, I'd like to do so with the non-Christian who was here first. And being non-Christian that today is National Sanctity of Human Life Day, I do want you to know at this time, non-Christian, that although killing an unborn child is sin, and although encouraging and helping others to kill their unborn child is sin, and although following after the ways of this world and worshiping this practice of killing the unborn is sin as well, the fact of the matter is all those sins, along with any other sin that you are willing to confess, turn from, and repent of this morning, are all sins, non-Christian, that you can be cleansed of by the blood of Jesus Christ as well, who came into this world, non-Christian, as truly God and as truly man in order to live and to dwell amongst us and to save us from our sins by initially living for us, non-Christian, the life that we could never live and that the law of God that we as sinners break over and over and over again each and every day. Jesus Christ, when he came into this world, he never broke that law once, but instead lived a sinless and holy and righteous life here on earth, something that we as sinners could never ever do and in doing so fulfilled the law of God in its entirety, perfectly and completely non-Christian, all for the very children of God. However, that was not all that this sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, accomplished while he lived and dwelt among us. And I say that because Jesus Christ also willingly then paid the price for our sins that we could not pay by giving up his own life, non-Christian, by being nailed to and pierced, crucified and crushed on an old rugged cross at Calvary in our place and as our very substitute, even though he himself 
never sinned, and in doing so, perfectly satisfied the justice of our holy God, and appeased then, non-Christian, the wrath of our holy God, all toward his sinful children. And thus, because of that, three days later than this, sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, for he didn't remain dead or buried in some grave, but instead, three days later, he, Jesus Christ, he rose from the grave, and he defeated sin, and destroyed eternal death once and for all, and now offers eternal life to all who place their trust in him. Thus, let today be the day, non-Christian, that you turn from your sin. For let today be the day that you repent of your sin, and you place your trust in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone, as the only one who can forgive you of your sin, as the only one who paid the price for your sin, who died for your sin, and can clothe you then in his perfect life, in his righteousness, and reconcile you back to God forever. For let today be the day, non-Christian, that you repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today will be the day that you will be forgiven of your sin and given the gift, non-Christian, of eternal life. And to the Christian who was here this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, in preparation for my sermon this week, I stumbled across an article that opened with this. For I have a love-hate relationship with national sanctity of human life day. Now do not get me wrong. It's a joy to preach the whole counsel of God. And of course, it's not that I think national sanctity of human life day is somehow unbiblical. No, indeed. The entire canon of scripture is filled with God's commitment to the fatherless. And the widow and his wrath at the shedding of innocent blood. And I don't think it's inappropriate. To the contrary, just as every Lord's Day should be Christmas with the announcement of Jesus' incarnation and Easter with the proclamation of his resurrection, so too should every Lord's Day highlight the dignity and worth of human life. Instead, the reason I have mixed feelings about this day is because it reminds me we have to say things to one another that human beings shouldn't have to say. That mothers shouldn't kill their children. That fathers shouldn't abandon their babies. And that no human life is worthless regardless of skin color, age, disability, or economic status. For the very fact that those things still must be proclaimed is a reminder of the horrors of this present darkness, and I hate it. And one of the biggest reasons why, church, human beings at this point in the 21st century still need to be reminded that mothers shouldn't kill their children, and that fathers shouldn't abandon their babies, is because we are living at a time where the message that we are being inundated with is that abortions are human rights and that abortions are civil rights, and that abortions are something that we should be proud of and even love. Now, despite all of that, I do wholeheartedly believe that we as a church body do indeed know that mothers should not kill their children. 
and that fathers should not abandon their babies, since we, as a church body, know, Genesis 1.27, that each and every person has been made in the image of God, and that it is sinful to voluntarily, then, kill anyone, Exodus chapter 20, including that of the unborn, since we are all image bearers of God. Thus, as we begin to close this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, I want to do so by initially letting you all know that it is a not enough Christian to just know all the right things about the sanctity of human life, or to just say all the right things about the sanctity of human life, or to just post all the right things on social media about the sanctity of human life, but that instead we must also be willing then, in light of what we do know, in God's most infallible word, a bank about the sanctity of human life, to take action, to do the right thing, and to live our faith out concerning the sanctity of human life. Or as Proverbs 24.11 so profoundly puts it, to rescue those who are being taken away to death and to hold those or save those, church, who are stumbling toward the slaughter. In essence, when the innocent are being murdered, church, or when the unborn are being treated unfairly, church, or when the least of these or those who have absolutely no voice in their mother's womb are being killed and treated unjustly, church, for it is not enough to just know that that's a sin, church, and to believe that that's a sin, church, and to affirm that that's a sin, church, all while we sit idly by and do absolutely nothing about it, church, but that instead we must also be willing then, church, to live out our beliefs on this matter by praying in faith for the doctors to stop these abortions or by having those hard conversations with loved ones who are considering an abortion or even by joining a sidewalk ministry team in order to bring the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all those who are desiring an abortion. And I say all of that in love this morning, church. Because we have already been told by the Lord God himself what is good and what he requires of us. And that is to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God, Micah 6.8. But we can absolutely not do justice well, church. Or love that of the least of these well, church, all while hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of unborn children are being killed each and every year right here in our own backyard, and we sit back and do absolutely nothing about it. Since as James 4.17 puts it, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And thus do not be content this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, to just know the right things, to believe the right things, to affirm the right things, and to post all the right things on social media about the sanctity of human life. But instead also be willing, Christian, then to do the right things, whether that be through prayer, hard conversations with loved ones, prayer walks with love life, volunteering your time at human life services, or however else the Holy Spirit might be leading. Leading you this morning to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into this dark, 
dark realm. Since every human life, no matter how big or how small, has been created by God, is made in the image of God, and is worth standing up and fighting for. Therefore, fear God more than you fear man, Christian. Love the least of these more than your comforts, Christian. And serve your God well by protecting the sanctity of all human life, Christian, including that of the unborn. Thus it is my prayer that you wake us up as a nation, Father, and snap us out of our stupor and convict us this day of our sin of pride and convenience and sexual immorality and murder. Also that we as a nation can repent of our sin and seek the dignity of every human life that you, God, have ultimately created, which we know is only possible if we as a nation first come to faith in the Son of God himself, Jesus Christ. Therefore, give us a boldness, Lord, as a local church to fear you more than we fear man, to always be willing to speak the truth and love and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with all those who are called up in the sins of this world and who desperately need to hear about him. For let us be willing, Lord, to get out of our comfort zones and not just be content to know and to say and to affirm all the right things about the sanctity of human life, but to also then be willing in faith to do the right things as well and thus help us lord to love and to honor you more by standing up and fighting for those who you god have fearfully and wonderfully made in your image and in your likeness as well let's pray heavenly father lord soften our hearts this morning Make our minds be receptive. Open our ears. Lord, let us not be hardened by all the messages that we are seeing from this outside world concerning the sin of abortion. Lord, let us not be fearful of all those around us who have drank the Kool-Aid, have fallen into the trap, and who have believed the lies of the evil one. Instead, Father, let us hold fast and hold forth the word of God which clearly claims that you knew all of our days before you even formed us, Lord. You planned them out in your book. You have ordained each and every one of our days here on earth. And that when you created us, we were fearfully and wonderfully made in your image and in your likeness. For we are creatures, literally our father Adam created from the dirt, and yet we have value because you have made us in your image. Father, let us be willing then to honor and to serve you well, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God as we care for those who don't have a voice but still have your image. Let us be willing to stand up, fight for, and to protect them as we love and serve you, Father, in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.